drive-by traffic is a must because that allows you to significantly decrease the amount of expenses in your marketing budget. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Well, hi there, best ever listeners. How's it going? I'm Joe Fairless. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. Today is May 31st. 2015 and happy end of May. (laughs) I hope you are enjoying your Sunday. I hope it's the best one ever. And if not, then next Sunday will be the best one ever. I want to share with you a top five list today on the top five things that have surprised me during the due diligence process of multifamily and Just because it surprised me, it might not surprise you, all five of them at least, but I'm confident, regardless of your experience, that one of these five things will be a surprise, will be helpful, and will help you save money. Therefore, you will have more money in your pocket. So this is going to be a financially beneficial episode for you. First, if you haven't subscribed to the show on iTunes, go do that right now, por favor, because I want to be able to have daily conversations with you. I want to be able to make sure you're getting access to all the wonderful guests that we have on the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do so. You can go on iTunes and make that happen. So let's talk about the top five list. Number one, and this is multifamily specific. As I'm looking at this list, I'd say you can probably apply these five to other types of asset classes and product types in real estate. But overall, I had multifamily in mind whenever I was coming up with this. So number one, drive-by traffic is a must. It's not a should, it's a must because that allows you to significantly decrease the amount of expenses in your marketing budget that you'll have whenever you're marketing the property and marketing the units that are for rent. You know, a property that I have, and I definitely undervalued the importance of this and thankfully just lucked out on this 168 unit that I have in Cincinnati, you're literally passing it for 17 seconds if you're driving the speed limit. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three. I won't do all 17, but that's a long time, right? And that's a long time to get drive-by traffic and get people to be looking at your property, especially if you can have a good landscaping out front and if you have some signs. That is a big-time undervalued tool. So whenever you're looking at properties, don't just look at the location of where it's situated in the community. 
but look at the location of how many cars pass by this property and a broker will be able to tell you they'll have some stats on that and they'll be able to tell you exactly how many cars pass by it on a daily basis. And that's a huge marketing tool, not only when you're renting the apartments out, but also when you're going to sell the property, should you decide to do so, because that's going to be a big highlight whenever you tell your prospective buyers that there's X number of cars passing by the property on a daily basis. Number two, and this is the one that I think is going to surprise a lot of listeners, a lot of you best ever listeners, look for single pane windows in a double pane slot. Look for single pane windows in a double pane slot. I didn't look for that, but there were single pane windows in a double pane slot and I didn't have my team members look for that and perhaps they should have caught it, but they didn't. And so let's talk about the implications. If you have single pane windows in a double pane slot. Well, single pane windows aren't as insulated as, as double pane and the electricity bill is thereby, consequently it's higher because the the air escapes more and because the windows are thinner. When you're evaluating a property, you want to take a look, you want to take notice and document what pane windows should be in this property and what pane windows are in the property. And what happened with a property that I was evaluating and I ended up purchasing is there were double pane windows originally, but as the previous owner was replacing the windows, because it's less expensive, he was putting in single pane windows, which results in higher bills for the residents. And in some cases, residents who are able to notice that they have single pane in place of double pane and are not pleased and rightfully so. So take a look at the windows and make sure that you have, if you have a double pane slot, make sure that you have double pane windows in those slots. Number three, go with a performa from an experienced property management company whenever you're evaluating the property. It's good to run your numbers. What I recommend doing is running your numbers with the spreadsheet and then having a local property management company that might be managing the property for you, take a look at it independent of what you've put together and then have them send that to you and then you can compare notes. Really important that it's independent, independent of what you put together because when you start sharing your notes with them prior to them putting together their pro forma, consciously or subconsciously, that will influence what they put together. And you want them to come up with their own pro forma based on their knowledge of the market, their knowledge of the property, especially, especially if you're an out-of-state investor, because that is just going to be incredibly valuable for you to know. And there will be some things that are uncovered during their analysis that you didn't take into account. Another way of of getting a good pro forma is by having a good relationship with a lender. I know a best ever guest, Grant Cordone, told me that what he does is he just sends his mortgage broker actually his lender, I think it was Wells Fargo, he sends his lender the information on the property and they underwrite it. They underwrite it for him. And after they underwrite it, he knows exactly what he needs to buy it at in order to make the numbers work based on how his lender's underwriting the property. That's another way that you can go and that will help you get to a very conservative number 
that you can use whenever you're evaluating what the profit and loss will be for the property. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F. L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Are you looking for a step-by-step guide to starting your flipping career and successfully tackling your first flip project? If so, head to Amazon.com and pick up the best-selling book, The Book on Flipping Houses by professional house flipper Jay Scott. That's The Book on Flipping Houses by Jay Scott. He's a fellow best ever guest and he's an active best ever listener. Check out his book, The Book on Flipping Houses. Number four, look at the bank records to see when residents are actually paying. I learned the difference. If you don't know the difference between physical occupancy and economic occupancy, you need to know. And I'll tell you right now, I won't keep it a mystery. The difference between physical occupancy and economic occupancy is night and day. Who cares what your physical occupancy is? Who cares what my physical occupancy is? If they're not paying, then it doesn't matter. In fact, it's a detriment because then we've got to kick them out, get the apartment ready, and then put people in who are paying. So when you ask or when you look at what your occupancy is, ask what's the economic occupancy. So what percentage of people are actually paying the rent, not living in the apartment? It's good to know both because you need you need to know how many are not paying and you know, you're know you going to have to come across them eventually if you acquire the property because you got to kick them out. But economic occupancy and physical occupancy are important and how you determine if the seller is being truthful or not with you on how many are paying and not, not paying is, as I mentioned, number four, you look at the bank records to see when residents are paying. So you get those bank statements and that too can be manipulated if they're commingling funds, which they should not be doing. But there will be enough of a paper trail when you look at those bank statements and see when the deposits are being made and you match that back with what the numbers are being reported. There's enough of of a paper trail to determine when your rents are coming in. Are they all coming in on the 1st? Are they coming in on the 3rd? Are they coming in on the 12th? (laughs) When are they coming in? Are 75% coming in before the 5th, before the mortgage is due? Are... The majority of them coming in after the mortgages do. If they are, then guess what? You're going to have to be floating the mortgage every month and until the remaining of the remaining rents come. And that's not a long term strategy that you want to implement. The long term strategy is obviously you want people who are paying before the fifth, before the third, and in some cases on the first, depending on your market and depending how your lease is written up, so that you have all the money that you need in order to make all the payments and make money and put that in your bank account as well. And number five, looking at the HVAC and looking at that in detail. That's one thing that fortunately I had somebody look at with our property. And if I didn't, then it would have been a very, very, very costly oversight. So with HVAC, you know, those those puppies can cost twenty five to thirty five hundred a unit to replace. I mean, that is a good chunk of change. And when you have a large apartment community, you start multiplying 3,500 times 10 by 20 times 30 times 50 times 100 times 200. That's a lot of math. <laughs> and that's that's some big numbers. So you'll, you'll want to take a look, have a licensed HVAC technician take a look at your property 
in exhaustive detail, write up a report and identify what needs to be replaced, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be addressed in the future, what hasn't been addressed. One question you can ask the seller just to get a sense of how they take care of their air conditioning units. You can say, when was the last time the air filters were swapped out? They answer that question and you have to ask it in person because if you ask an email, they're going to give you some answer uh, that may or may not be truthful. And if you ask it in person, if they give you an answer that's not truthful, at least you'll kind of get a hint of that based on how the response is and how quickly they respond and if they look like they're the cat that ate the canary after they say it. So you'll want to ask that question and you'll want to make sure that the HVAC is taken care of because $3,500 a pop is incredibly expensive and it adds up if you have a lot of units. And even if it doesn't, even if you don't have a lot of units, it's still a, a good chunk of change and you want to make sure that you're allocating towards that during the due diligence process. Now, there are a lot of other tips on due diligence and we're going to continue to cover them on different episodes. I have some information on actually just on my computer's hard drive. So you can always uh, tweet at me at Joe Fairless and I'd be happy to share with you a document that I have on due diligence and I'll, I'll send that out to you or, you know, just stay, stay in touch with the show and, and we'll keep on rocking with these episodes and give you more information. So hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the Sunday. Thank you so much for being a loyal best ever listener. If you haven't subscribed to iTunes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way we can continue this conversation we can stay in touch and you can keep getting this daily best ever advice talk to you soon hey you best ever listener do you want more then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos templates and content to help you get deals done and remember to subscribe to the best ever show in itunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever 